Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Radio Radar, episode 61. This week on the show, we open with a whole lot of Star Wars talk, because Star Wars Rogue One, or if you prefer Rogue One, a Star Wars story is out this week. We talk about the movie and the whole Star Wars world as a whole. After that, we talk about the PlayStation experience and get into it about The Last of Us Part 2, Knack 2, the Yakuza series, lots of good stuff. Listen on. No, I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy that can't get no love for me hanging out the passenger side of his, of his best, best friend's, friend's ride, trying to holler at, at me. me. That's uh, Alan Ginsberg's yes. No Scrubs, right? Like... <laughs> no, no. Have you ever heard an actual recording of Ginsberg doing readings? Uh, yeah. Like, do, you, do you know what he... Because then it would have to be like, No, I don't want no scrub. A scrub <laughs> is a guy that can get no love from me. Hanging out on the passenger side. <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh... Ladies and gentlemen... Uh, welcome to Radio Radar, episode 61, your premiere place to get imitations of long-dead beat poets. You know, here's the thing, is... though. You can't yeah? confuse our podcast with anybody else. Mm. No. That's true. Yeah. It is distinctive. It's, are... it's got a distinctive flavor. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are, we are uh, the Marmite of podcasts. <laughs> yes. If you yes. will. We are the Final Fantasy say... 12 of podcasts. Apparently. We are the Final Fantasy yeah. We are the Scrapple of podcasts. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. I, 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 would, I would take this podcast redolent with spices as it is and serve it beside hash browns and two eggs done over easy. Yes. Uh, my name is Anthony John Agnello. I am joined by executive editor Susan Arndt. I'll explain Scrapple to all y'all later if you need it. Actually, I mean, have we ever done that before in the podcast? I, I, I actually think we haven't done it in a long time. I'm not sure. Okay. And I and I know we do have uh, a lot of outside the U.S. listeners. Anyway, so Scrapple, mm-hmm. Scrapple is a breakfast meat which hails from my birthplace of <laughs> Pennsylvania. And, okay, it is kind of what it sounds like. It's the scraps that are left over from a piggy after you make everything else. It's, you know, pig nostrils and and buttholes and stuff like that and you mush it all up and you add a bunch of spices and you form it into a brick and it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of gray honestly it's, yeah it's gray. it literally looks like a dry erase board eraser that's true it's that's true. glistening yeah. and greasy and amazing yeah and then you fry it so the outside gets crispy but the inside mm-hmm. is still mushy and it is freaking delicious it's one of those things yeah that it, you don't think about how it's made you just put it in your no, mouth hole yeah you put it yeah. you put it in your mouth hole it's a gray hate brick <laughs> until you True, taste yeah. it and then you when you put it in your face it's like it will change you there's nothing like going to like a shitty breakfast buffet in lower pennsylvania and finding like scrapple and whoopie pies just just sitting room temperature next to each other and it's when I yeah the last time uh, I I do not get back to Pennsylvania very often now that I live in North Carolina and the last time I went my mom uh, wanted to go out to breakfast to the local diner first of all diners are awesome but mm-hmm. I, I I got there and I looked at the menu and there was Scrapple and I I kid you not I got teary eyed 
<laughs> I was so excited that I could get Scrapple. And I was just like, oh, God, please bring me Scrapple. And the waitress is like, I don't understand why you're getting emotional right now, but yes, okay, I will bring you Scrapple. Thank you. So do you guys get, when you're playing Final Fantasy Fifteen and they cook something? Oh, my God. Like, there's, there is this pathological you know, response that I have where like, I immediately sit there and I'm like, do I want to eat that? Or do I not want to eat it? Do I not want to eat it? Let me see what Ignis made and I'll see if I want to eat it. And the thing that like, like gets me more than anything else is the spam sushi oh. that he makes. He hasn't, he hasn't oh. made that yet for me. Yeah. Oh, it's, will, it's like, will, like a, yeah. like, it's like a crappy sushi recipe that you find early on. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So you can find it pretty early, Susan, if you're fighting the, the sort of rhino cows that mm, are wandering mm-hmm. around in that first desert area. Mm-hmm. And what he makes is it's, it's literally a, you know, a, a tight bed of rice with a slab of spam resting on top of it, wrapped with a little piece of seaweed. Very Hawaiian. And I'd never heard of that in, until seeing it there. And I was like, is that a real thing that people oh, yeah. do? Like you said, it's like a Hawaii thing. And it made me so hungry for spam and scrapple. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had either of those things in like 22 years at this point. Yeah. And I like, but just seeing it and listening to you talk about Scrapple right now, I can like taste it. Yeah. I can like my mouth will recall those things for me, because that's the kind of thing I remember. I remember things like that and about prototype Star Wars figures, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. After we introduce Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. It's man, I'm in a good mood today. Oh wow! It's, All right, awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it's it, like I woke up and it's like my backyard, like. My little apartment area, the parking lot, it's just covered in this fine layer of snow. It's actually snowing right now, and it just, nice. I, it feels, I had a bunch of coffee, and it feels like Christmas, and you guys, life's okay. All it's right, fine. then. I like it. I yeah. like this. Yeah. That's, that's good to hear, man. We'll, 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 like, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to the point of the podcast where I get brought down <laughs> fairly quickly. I mean, if you don't if you don't know what it is, you'll you'll know what it is. Oh, you'll yeah. right. Mm. All right. So before anything else, we were talking about this before we even started recording. This was not a planned part of today's show, but as you're listening to this, we are about twelve hours away from the review embargo lifting on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh. And, and, like, I almost kind of like saying that name. It sounds so ridiculous and cumbersome, but I'm excited by the fact that Rogue One does not feel like it's a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, a big, crazy event thing. It's this other thing that just so happens to be set in Star Wars. I kind of get this feeling about this movie the same way I felt before Knights of the Old Republic came out. Mm-hmm. Where, I'm, yeah. where I'm like... What could this be? And this time, nobody's named Bastila, and I have to take them seriously. <laughs> yeah. Mission, what wasn't there a girl in that game named Mission? Like, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. She's a Twi'lek. Uh, yeah. She's a she's a spunky tween Twi'lek who lives in a basement. She's kind of awesome. I love everybody. No, Mission's in that great, game. but that name, yeah. man. That yeah, name. I, yeah. Well, I see. That's the Old Republic. Also has Karth. Yeah, Carth- your, 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 
Every every party just needs a random like bearded white guy apparently because that uh, there's random bearded white guy in Rogue One too. He's like Jin Erso's you know buddy guy. There's and so Karth is. I'm sorry. Oak are we now. pretending Jin Erso is a cool name? Yeah, I'm uh, no. no. We're okay, not going to pretend that. Also, what, but snap, I am not. Snap I, Wexley I, is the character's name. That's uh, what Greg Grunberg. Uh, officially canonical with the Star Wars universe. Oh Greg my Grunberg. god! Uh, his character's name is Snap Wexley. I, I shit oh, you not. I shit it. you not. Look it up. Look at Susan. It's... I'm I, I'm not going to question Jen Urso's name. Okay. Because even even if it's a fictional child of Mads Mikkelsen, I'm not. I'm not going to incur his wrath. I don't want. I just don't like. I, like I'm not even going to. It's not his real daughter, but I don't want to risk being like, nice name for your kid, bro, and then have him give me that look and send his umbilical baby He's He's going to put a bunch of eye makeup on his face and come after you. Okay, 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 okay. okay. So here's here's everybody's homework, all right? Right, okay. I want you to go sometime before the end of the year and watch King Arthur, the King Arthur movie with Clive Owen. It, oh, okay. Which is actually, okay. it's very good. It's a it's is a, it? it? I heard it was trash. No, no, no. It's legitimately a good movie. It, it what it is not is the traditional version of Arthur. Right. Like you're right. not gonna. There's no Lady in the Lake and all that crap. It's, that's it's that's based the on, one where they they made um, Kira Knightley's boobs fake. That is correct. In the yeah. That is correct. Forget that. Good movie. <laughs> but more importantly. Two of the Knights of the Round Table are Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. And uh, what's his name? Hugh 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 Dancy. Who is? I don't know. Who I is? Uh, okay. So if you've watched Hannibal, Mads Mikkelsen is Hannibal, oh. and I, I think it's Hugh Dancy. Hugh Dancy or Hugh Darcy uh, is is uh, Will. So it's a oh shit. So, so it's like a it's it's canonical. It is. It's it, a prequel. It, it, it is totally canonical. Yeah. So, t- so technically, Hannibal is actually a show about Highlanders. Is yes. What you're telling me. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so before before we leave the subject of Star Wars names, Karth is not only the name who who's just like a a Karth is either a crap character in Star Wars who's not necessary for the story, and a Karth is the crap character in a Bioware game that you never use in your party. That's true. Yeah. So the, every Bioware game needs a Karth. Yep. Uh, I'm not shu- sure who the Karth is going to be in Rogue One. Uh, so Rogue One coming out. We were talking a little bit about Star Wars. There is a a hullabaloo going on the internet uh, from <laughs> morons. I, I, let's not be political <laughs> about there, this. There's a hullabaloo. You people this are time sh- <laughs> last yes. year, right? Yep. Yeah. Everybody was real. At first, they were upset that a lady was the main character in a Star Wars movie, and then they were really upset that she was good at doing stuff. Yep. <laughs> Stop being good at doing things, Ray. That's not I, making me yep. comfortable. Now it seems like the the hullabaloo is around the fact that all of these people are finally realizing that the real message of Star Wars was that space fascism is bad. Like or no, yeah, oh, yeah, that, and they're angry about it. Yeah, that's yeah. part of it. It's part of it. It's two pronged. Okay. okay, okay, two two prong approach. Okay, it's two pronged approach. Yeah, part of it is there's a Jewish agenda supposedly 
I don't know where that's coming from. Well, that I mean, may be that may be a subset something. of just what we need—a Druish princess. <laughs> <laughs> it, that may be a subset of the fascism. I'm not entirely sure. But Were they watching Spaceballs and they got confused? I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But the other half of it is pushing the diversity agenda. Oh my god! Because would you look at all the women's? And the people of colors. There's only mm. somebody. This is a thing. Somebody actually said there's only one white guy. Oh no! And I'm like, okay, oh, okay. Oh, so, no. so let's review. You're cool with aliens <laughs> and androids. That's fine. Have them all over the place. But god damn it, black person. That's a bridge too far. You have two main characters of Chinese descent. Like, <gasps> what? Well, I just. Uh, <sighs> Man, I, does anybody else picture Uncle Owen specifically when they read these the comments from these people? <laughs> Just like a, like, <laughs> gonna be held to pay. I have no need for a protocol droid. Like, just like, hasn't shaved in five days. It's got blue milk all over his tunic. <laughs> I just, I, like, yeah. I'm reminded of the, the quote from, uh, God... I'm totally blanking on his name. The the uh, Carl Sagan, uh, who, like who, like he was interviewed about Star Wars back in the '70s, and he's like talking about how white Star Wars was. Yeah. Like like the how do we have all like the the infinite imagination of what's out there in the universe, and we can only imagine white people populating it. Right. Yeah. And he said that back in the 1970s. Like what yeah. what is happening? Yeah. Like okay. So so to review, because because I, I understand. A lot of folks presenting this opinion weren't actually alive in 1977. I get it. So they don't... I'm pretty sure most of them weren't alive in 1999. Well, there's that too. Yeah. (laughs) But the 70s were racist and sexist as fuck. Yes. That's just a fact. It's just true. Like, go back and look at any entertainment that isn't straight up blaxploitation. Which, by the way, there was a genre called Mm -hmm. blaxploitation. Hello! You can't have that if everybody is represented equally. It's all, it's just white, 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 white. Women can't do shit. They're there to be mm-hmm. like hookers and moms and teachers, and that's it. That's it. That's just how it was. That was, that was the societal norm at the time. And of course, Star Wars ended up being totally white. Of course it did, because that was normal at the time. And then time passed. And people looked around and said, oh, well, that's kind of bullshit. And mm-hmm. they put other people in the cast. The end. <laughs> I mean, like, like it's, it's kind of hard to get away from the fact that in the original Star Wars trilogy, only two women speak. Yup. For the, in, in the entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. Ta- I mean, uh, like, they speak English. I, Cy Snoodles is a woman. <laughs> She, well, she is so, a yeah. beautiful woman, but... <laughs> very sexy alien lady. That's yeah, another, that's, that's I... another wonderful name right there. Size noodles. Size noodles. I like. I actually and, like size noodles. Yeah, and uh, and salacious I guess, crumb. I yeah. I guess there is a fourth woman who talks, who's a stripper, an enslaved stripper. Screaming at Jabba the Hutt for her life. This yeah. is not a I mean, statement let's, that is let's, varied in its interpretation. Let's be real here. Like, George Lucas made Carrie Fisher go to a fat camp. 
to get the role of Princess Leia in the first movie. Like, holy shit. Did he really? Yeah. It was a different time. She was 19. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, like, the 19-year-old girl running around in no bra who had to go to a fat camp because she might have been 120 pounds. Yeah. Hi. Welcome to the 70s. And I mean, like, I mean... There, there were the reports that even a couple years ago when they were filming uh, Force Awakens that Princess, like, like that Carrie Fisher was asked to lose weight or whatever. And oh, it's she just was, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, things are changing, but there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. So are, how does all this translate into The Empire were, was right? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So... Uh, so there's the, the, the whole diversity agenda. Uh, why can't we just all... This is another thing I saw somebody actually, actually say. Why can't we just all parade as stormtroopers? What? Because they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. Yeah, so I, ma- I, I, I made the statement that the Empire are bad guys. Because that's spelled out really in no uncertain It's terms. not subtle. <laughs> it's like, Star Wars is yeah. not a subtle... There are, not a question. Yeah, there aren't <laughs> layers in the original trilogy. It's not an onion. It's you know, it's a grape. It's just all right there. <laughs> and, and, well, you know, the de- the Jedi forced uh, people to not marry based on religion. And okay, are they? Oh my okay. God! Shut hey, up! You know, Qui Gon Jinn's emails almost you, ruined his political career. And I and just... you know, they kidnap children and force them to. Ki- okay, I'm gonna stop you there. <laughs> Even if that's all true, doesn't change the fact that the Empire are bad guys. <laughs> they killed a lot of people. Like they a killed lot a lot of people. Lo- lot of, a lot. They blew up planets. Yeah, several. Yeah. Now you could say, okay, so in 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 Force Awakens, you can you can say, and I think this is pretty defensible, that the blowing up the planets in Force Awakens is a an act of war kind of move. Like it's a preemptive strike. They're taking out the fleet. Oh yeah, it is. Right? It is. It is like we're we're. I love the implication that everything that's happening with the First Order in the Force Awakens is is basically like rise of Trump or Trumpism shit, where like they've been sitting on the periphery just threatening this stuff the entire time, and everybody's like there. All the way over there. We don't need to worry about the First Order. And then they just blow up everything. Right. Simultaneously. Yeah. But like, at least... Act of War. It's not like the Death Star. Yeah, it's, no. The it... Death Star, that was a press release. Right. That was them announcing, Hello, we would like you to know that our Death Star is now operational. That's right. it. That's all yeah. it was. Billions of people dead for a press release. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah. but, you know, Jedi, also bad too. Shut up! Stop it! Stop it! Just stop it! Shut up! Just shut, shut up! up. Shut, shut up! These this sounds. Everybody who makes this argument, Susan, sounds like the type of person that also uses the word young youngling unironically. <laughs> so no, no, no. You know what they sound like to me? You ever meet somebody who is like who proudly declares that they're a pedant? Oh, yeah. Yes. It's that yes. person. By the way. If you if you are one of those people, what you are actually saying is I'm an asshole. Yeah, that's like, the, get, that is the... like I get it if you're pedantic and everybody has things about which they are pedantic. That's yeah. totally cool. But if you're like, well, I'm a pedant, 
you're a dick. Stop it. Yes. You're not making friends take, that way. Take Just a minute. Stop. Reflect. <laughs> recenter. <laughs> and maybe, you know, stop. <laughs> Hug your cat. Are you guys are are you guys pumped about Rogue One? Are you excited about Rogue One? Yeah. I am. I am, but it's yeah. a, it's a it's a, it's the kind of excited of a of a certainty, you know, like like yes, every, every sure. Thanksgiving, I knew we were we when I was growing up, we basically had the same meal every Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. with a few minor variations, but basically the core of it was always the same, and it was good. And so every Thanksgiving, I looked forward to every Thanksgiving because I had that certainty that it was going to make me feel a certain way, and that's what I have with Rogue One. I haven't watched. A trailer uh, since that very first one. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. I have learned as little as possible as I could uh, about the film because I just want to like just wash over me Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of impressive given our line of work. Yeah. Well, basically. yeah. I know. Yeah. We yeah. have to report on you know ev- like the director said a thing and like. I know. A Breaking Bad actor says he wants to be in Star Wars. Write the thing, <laughs> like. Okay, first of all, isn't it a yeah. given at this point everybody wants to be in Star Wars? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I want to be in Star Wars. Sure. I want to be in Star Wars, but that's I want to be in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to be a droid. I think that would be oh yeah, a, you'd yeah. be a, you'd be a good droid. You'd be like a really good like protocol droid. That's what I'm saying. Oh, like I would I would I would love that if like you know there was some kind of like they need translating in some kind of sensitive situation. There's like an Uncle Owen type who's being a dick, and then all of a sudden the protocol <laughs> droid is just like, "Oh, honey, shut up!" <laughs> I would love that Star Wars movie. That would be great. <laughs> Someone I, in our audience I, who is a gifted artist, please draw that. I beg you. Yeah, please, uh, Dave. Dave, what are you? Are you Rogue One pumped? Yeah, I, like honestly, feeling? Rogue One kind of excites me more than the the main stories just because like i feel like the star wars universe has so many exciting stories to tell and not all of the sure. stories are about the sort of grand conflicts between the jedi and the sith yeah absolutely yeah and like like i was talking to uh like i, I know i've mentioned this before i don't know if i did it on the podcast but like i back in middle school i had an idea for like a, a raymond chandler-esque tv procedural about a force-sensitive detective on Coruscant who solves crimes, and, like, all of the other stuff is, like, in the periphery. And I think, like, that's a really cool story. See, I that, would watch that. I would yeah, watch it. Yeah. That, that, like, you could do really well. And I think that, like, Rogue One is an interesting way for them to test the waters on those kinds of stories. Because, like, I remember growing up and reading stuff like Tales of Mos Eisley and, like, yeah. all of the Extended Universe stuff. And, like, that stuff was really cool and like the fact that disney isn't just making episode seven eight nine but they are going like okay well how can we fill in some of these gaps and i feel you know maybe a young han solo story isn't exactly what needs to be told but you know what like a boba fett movie could be cool um i mean there's a story there and i think that if you do it well you could make something really cool with it and i think like the fact that rogue one is this sort of unknown unproven entity makes it exciting in a way that, like, Episode 7 isn't, because Episode 7 is just a continuation of a story that's that we already know. I'm really, I'm excited about Rogue One insofar as I, like, 
and this is like almost like from a purely pornographic standpoint, I'm interested in seeing the iconography of the 1977 movie. Yeah. Done, done with an obscene amount of money and modern, you know, technology. I, yeah. I think that's really cool. Uh, you know, for- that said, I, I'm like cautiously optimistic about it. Cause I like on the one hand that that preview looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I like the premise. I, I really, really like a lot of the people who are, are in this movie. I mean, like ghost you know, dog, having man. A- ghost dog, Alan Tudyk, like this is that cool. But, uh, I really hate Gareth Edwards movies. Yeah. What like, el- okay. What, el- what else has he done? He's Godzilla. done the t- Godzilla wait, and wait, wait, Monsters. Wait, wait. Which Godzilla? The new one. Godzilla 2014 Godzilla. Oh, I like that. I mean, it's... But, like, this is... These are both Dave Roberts films in that they are fine. You are correct, like, yes. Yeah, well, okay, like, wait, Monsters... Wait, wait, wait. I monsters, actively dislike Monsters. I hate that movie. It is beautiful, though. <laughs> I, it's gorgeous, exactly. But, like, it is... Pl- like, both of those movies are just miserably paced yeah like there is no dramatic arc at all it's just like here's a world where weird things happen hope you like flat tones for two and a half hours okay, hope you like about that bland yeah. kick-ass guy stumbling around Ugh. and not doing much for most of the movie i swear yeah. to god i could not pick that man out of a lineup if i had to i yep. stared at his face for two <laughs> and it was like six feet high because it's That's in the theater <laughs> Two it's and a like, half what, hours. What's that disease that like it's like a like a con- mental condition yeah, where you can't yeah. recognize faces? Like yeah, right. It's that with yeah. that guy. It is. He is a charisma I, black hole. He really, <laughs> truly is. Okay, but here's why why I feel extra tingly about Rogue One. It de-emphasizes Jedi. Yes. Yeah. Because like that's okay, great. Jedi are a+. cool. We all know they're cool. But Jedi have been a part of my life <laughs> for 30 fucking years, okay? Yeah. Like, at 38, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Oh, it, it'll be it'll be 40 years in the summer. Wait. Two... We, we are in July. Oh, my God, it will. You're right. It'll be 40 years. Jesus. 40 okay, years. enough. Just, <laughs> like, go take a nap, have a juice box, let other people do other things. Like, you know, the mystical, the fiend in the, oh, the dark side, the light side. Yes, got it. Good. Over there. <laughs> Let's talk about other, like, because I would like to be able to, the, the, the person I always wanted to be in Star Wars was Han Solo. Yeah. Right? Hmm. Normal dude reacting to things the way a normal dude does. Yeah. That's what I like about Star Wars. Like, I want to see normal people reacting to extraordinary circumstances the way normal people do. Love yeah, it. you want you want humanity. Yes. You want yes. you want humanity. Yes. See, and like that's when I say like Gareth Edwards worries me. Mm-hmm. Humanity humanity is not a thing that he has shown. Uh, like his directorial eye isn't very adept at that. Mm-hmm. Like that was the big problem with monsters. You know, yeah, monsters true, is. True. A wonderful setup for that that sort of ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances where you have this journalist who's sent to find this person in dangerous, you know, space octopus territory, and they fall in love. That's an amazing premise. That's an awesome premise. And instead, it is just, like, Kick-Ass Guy is more memorable on screen in all of his appearances than the relationship in Monsters. True. Like... 
Monsters is just two hours of rich white people whining at each other and then space octopuses fuck at the end. That is <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. That is, that is exactly what happens. It's kind of misty. <laughs> yeah, the whole time. And uh, and she's she, if she has a really nice sweater at one point, and that's yes, that's all I got. About it. But like this, we like even in the preview, like we, you know, uh, you know, Jin Erso being like, "I rebel." That's automatically you're like, "Ooh, juices are flowing." I here's like what, you know there, what I, there are I people do, doing people things. Here's what I dig about her. I don't like her. Yeah, yeah, right? Right? Like, you know, because... She's kind of a dick? She's kind of a dick. Because Star Wars, again, the original trilogy is really, really basic. Good guys, mm-hmm. bad guys. You love the good guys, you hate the bad guys, and the good guys win in the end. Because that's the way that works. Right? Great. I like that this is a little messy. Little like, even Force Awakens, God, I love Ray. I love Ray. But you're supporting Ray from the very first second. Yeah. Because she's awesome. This, I like. Because she's kind of a dick. And yet mm-hmm. I support her mission. Yeah. So that's that's a nice little uh, added emotional I, note. I wonder, God, I wonder how the, how the reviews are going to fall on this. And I wonder how, like, the general public is going to take to this movie. Just because it is such a, like, different kind of story. Like, they, they went mm. through reshoots. And I wonder if that's just because, like... Okay, every movie does reshoots. Every no, movie. No, this, this, no, this is true. But, um, you know, you, you hear reshoots and you immediately think of Suicide Squad and you go, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder if if people are going to resonate with the, the, the different approach that it's taking to the world and its characters. Or if people just want, nope, I want good, I want bad, no, and... Yeah, I, I hope. I, that, like, I that, hope this exciting. movie. I want it to be hugely successful. Me too. I want. Oh, it will, I want oh, this to be successful. Kids, it will be. It's Star Wars. I, 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 and like, I like, I you know, there there are people who say there are people who are bummed out by the the uh, mercenary corporatization of Star Wars. They're like, oh well, you know, they they got two you know significant chinese actors because force awakens tanked to the chinese box office and disney wants all that chinese box office. they want them to like star wars and it's like okay fine man that might be true but if you think for a second that star wars hasn't been a mercenary corporate yeah. enterprise <laughs> from 1977 <laughs> on like do you know why fucking george lucas is a billionaire it's Merch, not because baby. star wars yeah It's not because Star Wars is some precious spiritual institution. It's because he walked into Fox and he was like, I get the rights to all the action figures. And they were like, sure, whatever. Whatever, fine. Yeah, it basically invented (laughs) merchandising. Yeah. You know, like, come on. Yeah. And and the other (laughs) thing people forget, too, is that, you know, China's government is kind of different they they tend not to promote things about movies where there's active rebellion (laughs) and there's magic they don't like when there's magic that's also true yeah so like like here's my thing yeah let's let's take it as given that they're right that they cast two chinese actors so that it would be more appealing in china as long as they do their jobs well who gives a shit yeah who cares who cares? Who cares? Like I, I, yeah, I, I want this movie to be successful, not so that Disney can like expand their corporate empire, 
I want this movie to be successful so that there are fewer of these anthology movies that are like, and it's Han Solo movie yeah, time, yeah, and then it's yeah. Yoda movie time. Yeah. Like, fuck you, tell me original stories. Original stories are interesting. I don't need to know if the guy from Hail Caesar looks awesome in thigh-high boots. Well, I don't well, need you're saying, to know that. The guy from them, Hail them. Caesar? Yeah. Yeah, the guy uh, from Hail Caesar Aaron is Han Solo. Right? Yeah, the, the, the cowboy. Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to look this person up. Mm-hmm. Would it? He's your Han Solo. What? What, what was the quote that he ke- had to keep saying? Would it were? Would, would it were? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, like the right. one, like really, really funny part of that movie. Anyway. Yeah. He'll see. Yeah. Any, yeah. It's super <laughs> weird. Uh. So before we move on from Star Wars, uh, if anybody is like, yeah, uh, Star Wars, I want to go see this movie, but I might be a little burned out of Star Wars. I want to say that there is, like, just because Disney rebooted the entire universe and all the extended universe stuff no longer counts, that doesn't mean it's not awesome. Dave talked about how the Tales from Moss Eisley was really sweet. It was. Tales from still Moss is. Eisley you can rules. still read it and enjoy it, even though it's not right. officially canon. It's like, th- those books still exist. <laughs> if, there, if there was one piece of Star Wars extended universe stuff that you guys would recommend people check out... What would they be? Dave, besides Tales from Moss Eisley, what do you want to point people to? Oh my to? god, uh, it's been years since I've actually read any. Like, the Thrawn series is good. The uh, like, So good. Um, I don't know, I, I grew up reading, like, one of my favorite characters from the series was Wedge Antilles. Oh and, yeah. And uh, I love the X-Wing series, so yeah, go go check out X-Wing. It's great. Susan, do you have a, do you have a preferred piece of Star Wars media, book, game, Dude, anything? I, okay, I... Never indulged in any peripheral really? Star Wars. Nope. It, with the with the sole exception of Knights of the Old Republic. For me, this is the thing, dude. Okay. You, you really, you really, really need to understand. I'm not sure I can come up with an analog for you. It is not an exaggeration to say that Star Wars changed my life. I was in a sure. movie theater at six years old watching that Star Destroyer just filled the screen for what felt like forever. And it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. I was six. But still, it was the most incredible thing. Like, that... Star Wars is a is a, almost a holy thing to me. And by when I say Star Wars, I mean that movie. I mean the Star Wars movie. Everything that comes after it is awesome. But to me, it's kind of knockoffs sure sure so yeah yeah i mean like i i don't know i don't know how to explain the impact of something like that because a lot of i mean most people at this point are are of the age like they already knew that darth vader was was luke's father you know what i mean they already they already know all the big spoilers they didn't they didn't have to wait see and, and there was no internet there was no nothing about so we just had to sit and wait between movies to find out what was going to happen next. I cannot even describe to you the agony of waiting for Return of the Jedi. After, like, oh my god, what are you talking about? Like, they're leaving in the Millennium Falcon, and he just got his hand cut off? And, and it's over. What, is, what is happening? I can't! I, that was traumatic, man. Man, three years, too. That is a long time. That is a long time. 
time. It was like, God, I can't like it was like waiting for the for Matrix Revolutions at after the end of Reloaded. Like like wow, that no, I'm totally. I will. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're gonna reach over and smack me in the face. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so uh, it, that the, the Star Wars stuff never resonated with me for that very specific reason. I am not throwing shade. It's a lot of it. I understand is absolutely excellent, and I know that people are very big fans. But it was never my thing. Yeah, uh, I will point people to. So there, there was this, there was this weird period between Return of the Jedi and the release of the uh, the Thrawn trilogy, the the three novels by Timothy Zahn that continued everything, where there there was kind of nothing. Like there were the two Ewok movies, oh which Susan Susan forbade <laughs> forbids me from talking about. Those happened, uh, but they happened. They exist. Uh, there, the Marvel Comics series continued for about two years after Return of the Jedi, and it got increasingly weirder. Uh, but the the first thing that was going to happen between the end of the Marvel Comics series and those you know, frickin' Ewoks movies and the droids cartoon and all that. Oh my god, droids. Was, oh my god. Yeah, yeah droids, that right? Oh, that happened. Oh dear, okay. All of that, there, there there was just this blank spot at the end of the 80s where there was nothing for Star Wars fans except Howard the Duck and Willow and, you know, they were getting by. <laughs> and, and so Dark Horse Comics, which was still a relatively new thing in 1991 came along and they said we we have been allowed by lucasfilm to make star wars comics and our first thing that we're doing is something called dark empire and dark empire is a six issue comic series that is so badass even now (laughs) that i i just cannot recommend that you go get this enough and like marvel now has all of the star wars comics if you go online you spend seven bucks for a month of marvel unlimited which is basically like netflix for comics for your phone or your ipad you can just read like like thousands and thousands of comics just at your fingertips and all of the old dark horse star wars comics are in there including dark empire and dark empire just rules so much ass oh my god (laughs) it it takes place six years after return of the jedi and the idea like i i just i love like the way that it takes the story because it's a little like it, it is canonical technically with heir to the empire eventually heir to the empire takes place a little bit uh before dark empire does in the old extended universe but it opens and like the you know the entire galaxy is still in ensconced in civil war because there are just all of these factions of the empire vying for territorial control and you know what was the rebellion is still out there basically trying to to you know quell conflict like they're just going in and trying to settle everything down and in this, in this continuity, Coruscant was not the seat of the Empire, a planet at the galactic core called Bis that was like this, the, the sort of the dark side equivalent of Dagobah in terms of like force sensitivity was where the Emperor was. And the, you know, the rebellion still hasn't gotten to it. And when it picks up, they, they, you know, the whole Millennium Falcon crew, Han and Leia are married, they have kids, they're trying to find Luke 
who has crashed a Star Destroyer into an Imperial-controlled planet. And you're just sort of, like, thrust back into the action. It really captures that, like, beginning of Empire Strikes Back feeling, you know, where, where they're just in the thick of it, living, like, on the edge of everything. And the first time you see Luke is they're in the middle of this battlefield. It's old Empire versus Rebels trying to hold up in this crash Star Destroyer. And there are junkers. Like, there are these, like, you know, like these these hordes of thieves that are all around just trying to take scrap from the war in the middle of the fight. It's just all these people Sounding like super Fireflyish. Super Fireflyish. Very Fireflyish. And in the middle of it all, like, in like just people, you know, on all sides just start flying out of the way. Like, you know, Imperial troopers are just getting thrown back into debris. All of these junkers are just getting, like, pushed away from Leia and Han. Everybody's like, what the hell is going on? It's just Luke Skywalker. Just straight up battle mage striding out into the middle of this battlefield. And an AT-AT, like, trundles in. To fire on them, and Luke just like one hand breaches up, puts an ATAT down. Nice. It's awesome. And that's the first 10 pages. <laughs> uh, and the rest of it is about uh, it, it is a, a different take on what the Clone Wars actually were hmm. and how that affects everybody from there and a resurgent empire. And, uh, and, and Luke Skywalker, uh, dealing with some inner turmoil. It's awesome. It's so good. I cannot recommend you read it enough. You guys probably didn't need a play-by-play of the first ten pages, but I got caught up. <laughs> uh, you be enthusiastic about something? No. No. I got, it's so goddamn cool. <laughs> yeah, Dark, Star Wars Dark Empire. There is a Star Wars Dark Empire 2 and a follow-up called Star Wars Empires and Don't read either of those. Don't read. <laughs> those are bad. Those are They're not good. Those are not good. So, in the realm of things that are good and that we are enthusiastic about, uh, this is a week after P- uh, the PlayStation experience, but we are still sort of digesting the many, many announcements from PlayStation experience. I kind of blacked out at HD re-release of Parappa the Rapper and missed everything else. <laughs> Somebody had to, like, tap me on the shoulder and wake me up. But uh, it was awesome. There were many great things announced. Dave was actually there. Yeah. And you got to play some things. Dave, what was what was exciting at PSX? Uh, I got to play Persona 5. <laughs> like the fir- no, you- yeah, the first English uh, sort of hands-on build of Persona 5. <laughs> And it's as hot as you think it is. Like, uh, there's only like there's only so much you can take in in about thirty minutes. And uh, John Harden, PR guy for Atlas, was fast forwarding through all the stories so I could get to the gameplay in time. Uh, but yeah, no, it just like it, it feels like everything that you like about Persona, but amped up and smoothed out, and uh, like just the flow of it. Is better. The combat is 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 better and more like th- there's more information at your fingertips, and just oh, it's like style, man. style for days. It is it is hot. Style for that miles, game. brother. My sty- style for miles. <laughs> miles styles prower. I think is his name, right? <laughs> uh, but no, like it's man that game. Uh, they announced they announced two more Yakuza games too, um, which is. 
I don't know. Someone someone over at Sagan Atlas loves that series as much as Anthony and I do. It's super. It I mean, it's me it's very 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 popular in Japan. Yes, and it's it's now they're finally like Sega seems to like get that nerds are willing to spend money. Like you don't need to sell five hundred thousand copies of something. You only need to sell sell fifty thousand if all fifty thousand of them are going to people with cash money. Yeah, yeah, and man. And Thank like, well, and the thing is too is that the the next two games that are coming out. So there's uh, Yakuza Zero was announced at the last PSX uh, coming out, um, and that's coming out next month in January. Uh, but then they announced uh, even before that game's out, they announced uh, Yakuza Kiwami and Yakuza Six, uh, and it seems like now is kind of the perfect time to get into the series even though that there are there are like five other entries uh and spin-offs and and stuff like between yakuza 0 and yakuza kiwami because yakuza 0 is a prequel that follows two of the main characters it follows kazuma kiryu the the sort of the main character of the whole series and goro majima who is like sort of a frenemy uh, uh throughout the <laughs> series yeah um and they're both rad as hell like Goro wears a, a eye patch and snake skin suits. It's awesome. Anyway, so like that's set in the 1980s, and that's sort of explaining how these characters came to be part of the Japanese underground, uh, and how they came to be who they are, and sort of introduces a lot of the other major players in the series. And it, it it's it's made in such a way that you can enjoy it. Like you'll enjoy the references, but you can play it. And having not played any other game in the series and get something out of it. And then Kiwami is coming out, which is a full HD remake of the very first game in the series. And when I say, like, HD remake, I don't mean, oh, they just smoothed out the textures and, like, made it 1080p. I mean, they they basically remade the entirety of Yakuza 1 in Yakuza 6's, like, the PS4 engine. It Okay, looks... wait, is, Ko- is Kiwami a PS4 exclusive? Is, P- is yeah, that I believe the so, 6 yes. engine? I, be- I believe it's, so. That's not, it's not, all right, hold on, now it's, I need to yeah, know. Yeah, look it up, because, like, it, it's at least, like, they, they redid all of the textures, so, like, it looks totally different. Um, all right, so it's, okay, it, it is, Kiwami is still a PS3 game. Okay, uh, but it, it's yeah, going to be on PS4 in, in America. Yes. But, yeah, yeah so it, it is, so six it's, it's is the, the one Zero si- engine, then. Yeah. For PS3. Yeah. Six, six, six is, so six isn't going to be out here until 2018 yeah. based on the PSX announcement. And Yakuza six is going to be the, the real sort of technological jump. Kiwami and zero still, they're great looking, uh, by all accounts, they play really well. The loading is snappy. Uh, it, it's improved even over Yakuza five, which was still a very good looking game, but had some of that old school PS3 yeah. jank. Where, you know, if you even if going to a menu, you're dealing with like a hard, you know, yeah, of a load time. Load time, yeah. Uh, uh, six, six is where it will finally fully be a PlayStation 4 game where with there the are baby, no transitions. Yeah. With the baby <laughs> that gets thrown in the air. Cat Hotel. Man. You could make straight, straight Cat Hotel. <laughs> you're a mobster who opens a hotel for cats. These games are magic. These games are magic. They're magic. And I'm so, like, I'm just, I'm glad. Because I was, I've been a fan of this series since, like, Yakuza 1 on the PS2, when Sega really, like, they were trying to position it as sort of, like, hey, it's like a Japanese Grand Theft Auto, even though it's totally not. And, right. and, and Oh, and God, the, they really did. You're right. Yeah. That's so yeah. not what that game is. 
And, like, every single time that they, like, they announce a new one in Japan, it's always like, well, are you guys going to bring it to America? And it's like, we'd like to, but they don't sell that well. And then, like, Yakuza 3 came, but they they, they gutted a bunch of stuff because they were like, well, it's... Oh, okay, whoa, 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 gutting it is, is extreme. No, okay, they, yeah, they... but I mean, like, a bunch of the stuff that people really like Yakuza 4, which is, like, the, the strange Japanese-flavored minigames and stuff... Um, they're like, well, either we cut a lot of this stuff out and you don't get it, or you just import it from Japan. And, yeah. like, like that sucked, but, you know, we got it. And and, and it just seemed like Yakuza, Yakuza was this series that always lived on it. Like, man, like, they're just not going to release any more of these in America, are they? And, <laughs> and now they're releasing three in a year. Like, within yeah. a year of each other. And it, it's great. It almost... Almost to takes the edge off the fact that we live in a knack to world. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I need to... Okay, I need to have a talk with, with our loyal listeners. Can I just... Oh okay. <laughs> Hello, loyal listeners. If you played the first knack and enjoyed it, that's cool. Yeah. I prefer that people enjoy the games they play, and I we all have different tastes, and if you had a good time with that game, no problem. I have no issue with you. This is not about you. You can stop listening. If you consider Knacked to be one of your favorite games, if you love Knack, if you heard an announcement for Knack 2 and went, fuck yeah, I need you to tell me if you've ever played any other games. <laughs> what? Ever. Oh, no, wait. Susan, give them a, give all those people a chance to turn off the podcast. <laughs> Because if you guys if you guys feel that way, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Because or give it a second. Here's the thing: if that is like your favorite game, there's so many better games out there, man. And I just yeah. that do the same thing. That you haven't played them. There's so many games that do what Nack is trying to do and do it better. And and I worry that you what? haven't tried them. If you One really love Nack that much. Uh, one of my friends who really loves Sly Cooper. Sly uh, Cooper's awesome. Was Yeah, he was talking to me. He's like, great. So we live in a world where Sly Cooper is stuck in Egypt forever. Like, stuck in ancient Egypt forever. And yet we have a knack, too. Oh, oh like, okay. Okay. But how many Sly games are there? Come on. There are four. Yes. There's, there's there are more four. than four. No, no, no. There's, no, there's, there's Sly, Sly 2, Sly 3, and Thieves in Time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Thieves in Time, which is oh okay. It is okay. Uh, it is okay. The yeah. original Sly Cooper is still one of the best PS2 platformers they made. Period. The yes. end. Yeah. That that yep. end of. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, go. I worry. I I just man, fuck Knack. Like <laughs> I just. <laughs> well, I I mean, okay, wait. So what? You only saw the trailer too. Not right. the, the demo that they had at PSX wasn't open to the public. It was right? it was appointment only, and I don't know why I never got an invitation. I can't. Place I can't it. imagine. I can't imagine why. Maybe I just got <laughs> lost. But uh, I. Who is this for? Who asked for this? Who is the person out there? I know. Because I think even the people who actually like Knack are either lying to themselves or just kind of liked it as like, yeah, it was a fun no, 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 okay. As someone who really enjoyed uh, 
was it Endless Arms? Was that the name of that game? Oh, Enchanted God. Arms. Oh, Enchanted oh, no, 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 Arms. No, no, no. Yeah, Enchanted Arms. Software RPG. Yeah. I. Re- it's not good. <laughs> but I really dug it. Sure. So I, I'm not begrudging anybody enjoying anything particular because I mean, you never know what's going to blow your skirt up. I mean, right? Sure. But Enchanted Arms is at least like bananas in a way that's interesting. Knack is just like, he's like an off brand DreamWorks movie. He really is. Oh, he man. Really and those is. levels. Who dies at when someone breathes on him wrong. And the, the one levels. thing that could have saved that game, the one thing that could have made that game interesting or at least palatable is the item system where you unlock different equipable items that like you can see them in your menu when you're picking up these different pieces and you're like oh like that would be a really useful thing to have additional health or additional power or additional like whatever they're impossible to get they're impossible to get because it takes like five pieces to unlock one of them and when you find one you get a piece at random so basically the only way to get an item is to play through that game multiple times. I mean, like, all of this stuff, all, like, like the nitty-gritty of the mechanics aside, like, Nax's whole, like the, like, the premise of its world is just so nonsensical, it feels like a bootleg mobile game. Right? That, like, somebody tossed <laughs> off in, like, a day, like, yeah, there's a guy made out of clip art. You you gathered clip art, and then he gets bigger and turns into another piece of clip art. And there are, like, some Astro Boy anime guys. It's like like the doctor from Astro Boy if he got a haircut and had a tan. And then goblins are attacking the the city. Why are there goblins there? Uh, Who cares? There's just... There are cameo... Cameo, the what is cameo? The subtitle for cameo called? Oh, it's like cameo, the elemental master or something some bullshit. Like that, yeah. yeah, it's just like yeah, Elements we took some power. anime characters and and some elements uh, of power. Rare, yeah, elements of power. Yes, there we go. We took we took some bad guys from cameo and some Astro Boy characters and some clip art, like a fuzzy-headed guy that came in a pack-in CD-ROM with your Packard Bell And then just made a bad video game out of it. And then, yeah. oh like, wait, and, but, and then, and then the lady mech shows up. Wait a minute, how do you know she's a lady mech? Oh, well, she's wearing high heels and makeup. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's, it's bad. It's bad. It's a bad game. Yeah, it's a bad it's, game. And now you, can play, now you can play with a friend, because there's another one. There's another knack. Knack, too. Ugh. Knack, knack. knack, comma, also. Knack, I, also. There were a lot. We're getting, of, wind so, jam, we're getting wind jammers. Like, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, two, two more Yakuza games. Like, f- f- if you want to play Knack Two, fucking knock yourself out. Yeah, <laughs> knack, like Knack Two was just one of. I like that Sony's approach to PlayStation experience is. What can we announce that seems profoundly unlikely? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is, <laughs> it is just, an incredibly adept way of talking Mark to their of the fans. Wolves, right? Like, yeah, Garu, Garu, Mark of the Wolves, an SNK fighter, and they just released it that day. Yeah. And it is awesome. Oh, what a good fighting game. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Okay. We need to talk about The Last of Us 2. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah, I was just going to say things that are unlikely. Exactly. <laughs> well, okay, so here's my problem with that. The ending of the first one, which we will not spoil, is the best. Is it's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. 
perfect. Now I understand. I, I mean, I get it. It's a monster hit. It's 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 the kind of thing that is you know you point to that with pride and say yes, my company did that. And I get wanting to revisit that both for fans and for the designers. I get it. But yeah. Like in 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 a in an industry that doesn't know how to freaking end a video game, yeah, The Last yeah. of Us stands alone as one of the best endings in video games. Like, yeah, it like at least in big budget games, uh, you know. Uh, Use your words. I, I'm I'm interested to see, and like to see where it goes, to see how it plays. I just don't. It, it's like Mass Effect Andromeda for me. Is this a story mm. that needs to be told? I'm, well, this is, yeah, this I is the thing. I, like, I do like the... I okay. Like there's no subtitle, though. I like that it's just part two. No, I agree with that. Like, I agree with that. And I'm wondering... Okay, so if you watch The Walking Dead, obviously the world has gone to shit. And you can say that one group's experiences are virtually the same as another group's experiences, right? Like, uh, if you take the show what's happening in Atlanta is going to be very much like what's happening in Montana, except Montana is going to have more snow. Okay. So that's why I at first really enjoyed fear the walking dead because it was right at the start of everything. So there's Mm -hmm. still just enough of society to make it more interesting because there's different questions of survival there and there's different challenges. So it's, it's certainly like the last of us okay there's other people in the world obviously there's other stuff mm-hmm. going on than just this one thing that happened with with Joel and Ellie but it's all going to be much of a muchness isn't it yeah yes yeah. and and i so uh it will be up on games radar by by the time you're listening to this on monday everybody but susan i literally just sent you an article mm-hmm. Uh, that is very much about this subject mm. in terms of Star Wars. Okay. Uh, but it applies to The Last of Us 2. And that there... That, okay. There is no such thing as an inherently bad story premise. Any story premise can be used to tell a good story in the hands of a great story. True. Like, if you want to tell me the story about how Joel got his fancy blue denim shirt in The Last of Us, there is... Like, that sounds stupid, but you could do it really well. It, like, it, the premise is incidental to how the story is told. Mm-hmm. That said, just because a premise, you know, is strong, a story benefits from mystery and ambiguity. Mm-hmm. The more space there is for your imagination around the emotional arc of your characters, the better your story is going to be. The Last of Us' ending, without spoiling it, does leave open some ambiguity as to what happens to its characters and their world. Mm, To to tell us what happens to them after that isn't an inherently bad idea. It is likely going to lead to much of the muchness, but it might not. Maybe there is a part two there, and it could be spectacular. But by the very existence of the part two, you dilute the impact of that original moment. 
And like that's that's what troubles me the most about The Last of Us Part Two is that Joel and and Ellie's story is, for all intents and purposes, complete emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. For yeah. us, the audience, we don't need any more than that. And to continue it, to say that there is part two, you 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 take some of the blood out of that original ending. Mm. You know, like, even if you don't have to experience it, you as an audience member are going to know it's there. You know, like, uh, the the one that I always point to is Rambo. People know the name mm. Rambo still, and they think of the action star that is Rambo. But the name of the original movie isn't Rambo. It's First Blood. And First Blood is one of the best goddamn post-Vietnam War movies ever made. It's true. It is a s- spectacular story. And, it, it, like, it's about how war destroys people. Mm-hmm. And then there's Rambo, First Blood Part Two, wherein Sylvester Stallone becomes a jacked murder machine to go and fight the fucking commies <laughs> yeah. around the world. And, like, you don't have to see First Blood Part Two, but you know it exists. And, and that that takes away from the power of First Blood. Most people don't know that there is an amazing, moving, cinematic, artful Rambo movie out there. Because all they know is the name Rambo. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, like, god damn it, Sony. Like, <laughs> but it's like, the, the, even that trailer, just the, the fact that, like, I don't want to get into too many spoilers here. I mean, the game's been out for a few years, but the, just the fact that you're seeing... Joel and Ellie together. Yeah. Well, okay, but this leads us into a fan theory. Yeah. yeah. Which is because you don't see Joel's face, you don't really see them interacting, that Joel could be dead. And this could That he's a ghost. And well, not a ghost, but it's if if your parent has passed on, uh you sometimes talk to them anyway. Because you okay. you miss their guidance, it is possible that Joel is not around, and Ellie is in it, in effect having a conversation with herself over who knows what. That's a theory. Um, I will say it is entirely possible because if anybody knows anything about narrative, it's Naughty Dog. Like they mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. get it. It is quite possible that this entire story was figured out in an arc from the beginning. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, sure. they're like, okay, this is the first part of this story. If it does well, then we get to make the second part of the story. Like, it could be a trilogy for as far as we know. And I would not put that past them to have already, as they were making the first game, to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. And this may be that. I, I don't... At this point, I think they have enough creative cachet that they're not stuck making sequels just to make bank. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say that like I like Last of Us was so good. It really was. That I wish that they were they were going to do a new thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I you know like I I I get excited when Naughty Dog does a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I really don't want to see an Uncharted Five. I really Do don't no, want to see an no, Uncharted 5. No, that is done. It is perfect. It is done. Stop oh God, it. God, I hope so. Just, I hope so. Do you I hope it. so. 
I, I don't want to sound like super jaded Mick Jaderson, mm-hmm. but like the Last of Us <laughs> 2 trailer 2, like I see it and it's like, and now a super dark moody thing. We're going to play Mad World and Johnny Cash's version of Hurt at the same time. <laughs> and it's going to be a sad guitar song in the dark. And I just want to be like, guys, come on, man. Um, <laughs> Y'all are better than this. <laughs> I, I, it was cool. It the, was cool. I, I don't yeah. want to sound like a dick. It, it was it was a cool reveal. Uh, it was a, it was a nice, impactful reveal. Uh, it did a lot with very little, um, and I like that. And I hope that that extends itself into the game. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, how about that Uncharted game thing? What is that? Oh, Explain yeah. to me. Okay. So. Basically, I, I think the the plan originally was that if you bought the you know, like there was the season pass for Uncharted Four, it was gonna come with single player DLC, much like how The Last of Us came with or like they released Left Behind, which is sort of a two hour little side story thing set in the world uh, with its characters, and I think that was the plan for Uncharted Four. But based on the panel uh, that they, like the information that came out of the panel that they had there. Um, the story that they came up with, the game that they came up with for this DLC, started to, for whatever reason, spiral out of control. And then eventually they just kind of decided that let's take this from sort of a smaller DLC thing and turn it into a standalone adventure. Kind of like Infamous First Light, I believe it was called. Mm, okay, okay, um, yeah. But it seems like it's going to be a little bit more meaty and a little bit more... Because First Light was just playing through the same map with a different character and some different missions whereas this seems like it's going to be an all new location you're playing as chloe now uh it's and it's chloe and what's her nadine. name the, the nadine the yeah. head of the mercenaries right? yeah and the, yeah. Way, the way that it sounds like it's going to be longer than left behind was it's going to be shorter than uncharted 4 and but some of the locations in this new spinoff, which I am totally blanking on what the subtitle is, uh, is going like there are going to be bigger than some of the locations in Uncharted Four. So maybe that wow. maybe that city that we saw in the demo, uh, maybe you'll get to explore that in more detail in a in a way that you would explore sort of the mountain regions in uh, Uncharted Four. So I don't know. Cool. It looked like uh, when they when they revealed it when were when they were showing the trailer. Uh, my friends and I were talking. Like, is this, is this on? It looks a lot like Uncharted, but is that Laura Croft? Like, what's, mm-hmm. what's going on here? And then, yeah, then the reveal. But, yeah, the 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 panel later kind of sort of explained their their plans with it. And I guess that if you have the if you bought the season pass for Uncharted Four, they're gonna give you this standalone package because I'm assuming they're gonna charge more than twenty five dollars for it. Mm. Uh, because mm. it's going to be like a, an actual retail game as opposed to just DLC for Uncharted 4. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm gl- I, I like that. I like that it's Chloe and not Nate, you know? Yes. Like, uh, I hope the writing is, is better than Uncharted 2, though, for Chloe. <laughs> I feel like Chloe got, like, Chloe is a cool character, but all of her dialogue sounds like it was written by a hyper-sexed teenager. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, uh, I, I really hope they do justice to Chloe because I feel like she kind of got a raw deal in Uncharted 2 and then 3. Just sort of, like, swept under the rug. It's like, okay, we don't need a third wheel for this relationship anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's really, it's really, like, it's dark now 
Because it's it's hard to remember that Uncharted 3 came out before the Syrian civil war began. But there my one of my favorite scenes in Uncharted 3 is when Chloe and Nate and Sully are all sitting around the table and they're like, one of us is gonna go to Syria, and the other one's going to go to just outside Paris. And Chloe's like, <gasps> and then they're like, You're going to Syria. And she's like, <laughs> damn it. <Yeah. laughs> so yeah, it's I don't know, maybe good, yeah. maybe that's what the story is. That 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 sounds like based on the location and the sort of events that are going on there are bombs going off you know th- there's a missile that lands in the city uh and and it, it seems like that that's maybe the the story like the the setting that they're that they're going to tell here is that that story what happened to chloe during those events so who knows i don't know I, i'm interested to see what happens but i think that after this uncharted needs to stop they need to stop. Yeah. They they just stop it. Just stop. Do something new. We we have spent all the time that we need to spend with these characters. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, the one other thing that came out of PSX that I I think deserves mention because it's awesome and exciting is that there is going to be a near two demo out uh, on oh, yeah. PlayStation Four and Xbox One uh, on December twentieth. So we'll all get to play Near Two, Near Automata. I gotta stop calling it Near yeah. Two. Man, that game uh, looks. Someone gave Yuko Taro money to make a game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that makes me happy. And it's all working out. Uh, so one last thing before we all go is uh, we've all now been getting to spend a little bit more time playing Final Fantasy Fifteen. Dave, you, I, I want to ask you about the post-campaign content. Yeah. And Susan, I want to ask you how you're, how you're feeling now that you've plumbed into Final Fantasy XV more. You said something really interesting a couple of days ago, which is, you know, you Lightning Returns is your Final Fantasy. Yes. And you said that at every point when you're playing Lightning Returns, you still think, like, you know, you... You, you're always like, I'm playing a video game. Yes. But Final Fantasy XV makes you feel like it's a little bit more real. And I was curious as to what it is about the game that's giving you that feeling. Well, I think part of it is just the difference between the settings. It, mm. Both are uh, are have magic and monsters and stuff like that. But you're driving around in a car and you're talking on a cell phone and you have to sleep at night because you're tired. And all of these things are extremely relatable. And you're hanging out with friends and there is normal human affection happening there that isn't part of a quest line. Lightning Returns, I adore. It is a wonderful game. The combat is super fun. It's gorgeous. The soundtrack is amazing. But it is 100% artificial. There is, there is nothing relatable in it at all. You admire it all from afar. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of art, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Final Fantasy 15 is broken as shit, but okay, let me let me just I and I was It sure is. It's just it broken sure as shit. Is. <laughs> but so I, I I I stumble on a quest. Uh I run into this fisherman who's like I'm trying to catch a crag barramundi and if you catch one i'll give you something cool i'm like all right fine and i'm looking through my fishing gear now when i was little i used to go fishing with my dad and this is like when i'm eight years old right and i didn't really 
understand it super well, but it was time to, I got to spend it with my dad. So I was like, whatever, I'm fishing, cool. But I didn't like putting worms on hooks because ew. So I used lures and I really liked them because they were, they were, they're brightly colored and different shaped ones behaved different ways. And I learned about all the different lures and all the different kinds of fish that were attracted to them. And that's a big part of the fishing in Final Fantasy 15. So I'm here doing this dopey quest and it's reminding me of times I spent with my dad. Right. And like the banter of, of these guys as they're driving along listening to music or more importantly, when they're not talking to each other as they're driving from point A to point B, there's this companionable silence amongst them. It's so human. Yeah. It's so relatable. It's just, it, it feels so normal. And then you go fight a giant flan. Whereas, <laughs> and that, but in Lightning Returns, you are aware that this whole thing is ridiculous and absurd and a construct the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and, and you know, Final Fantasy, the whole Final Fantasy 13 cycle of games are so alien. Yeah. There is so little that is human. About yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't make it a bad game. No, uh, no, not at all. I, I, I genuinely think that that's why, like, I, I feel like, you know, all of the claims like, Final Fantasy is a shit game. I think that that's just a poor expression of, like, being sort of repulsed by its inhumanity. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I think it's fascinating that people are responding so strongly to Final Fantasy fifteen, And I think it's precisely because of what you're talking about, Susan, that it feels very, very human in a way that uh, that Square 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 Enix's games uh, from their Japanese studios have felt for a while to to sort of be a little chilly and a little distant. The way and I describe the feeling that I get from Final Fantasy 15, it's like a really nice hoodie. Yeah. You know, not yeah. not the hoodie that you go out to dinner in cuz you're like, "Ooh, this is a chic hoodie I have on." This is the hoodie like you know, it's Friday night and you're getting a pizza and you're watching a movie with your bestie and you're hanging and you just want to be comfy and you put on the fuzzy socks and it's that hoodie. <laughs> yeah. It's a warm blanket. It's yeah. Yeah, Susan, it, you're going to like Final Fantasy twelve so goddamn much. <laughs> it's so good. Don't listen to the haters. Like, it, you're gonna like it so goddamn much. I'm because, looking forward to it. Yeah, that's that's another one. Like, 12, 12... And, like, I think that they're gonna end up fixing it, but the original 12 was broken as shit. And it was broken as shit, but it was amazing because you love the characters. There are six main characters... And they are just people. Like, mm-hmm. they, they say ridiculous Final Fantasy nonsense. Right. But they're so human the entire time. It rules. It's great. It's weird Star Wars. It's weird this Star Wars. This is what everybody keeps telling me. I'm like, it what? It is. Yeah. Yep. It's just just it's just the plot yep. from Star Wars. Vaughn is Luke Skywalker. He's a, he's a rat catcher for, like, for a, a weird walrus man mm-hmm. in this desert city. Orphaned. Yeah, he's orphaned. <laughs> Balthier is Han Solo. Han Solo. Uh, Fran is hot Wait, Chewbacca. Is, is Fran the bunny girl? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's why you're always saying she's hot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> the, but no, but Balthier is hot too. Okay. Yeah. They are sexy Han Solo and Chewbacca, and oh man, and like it's Fran is, God, what a weird character. She talks like this the entire time. What? Every yeah. every word comes out of her mouth. We need to get on the airship what? right now. Yeah. No. Like coming off of Final Fantasy X, the voice acting in twelve is so much better. Yeah, like it, and the script. Yeah, it's the it, it remains the best Final Fantasy script. Just, just killer. B- besides, I am Bosch. I'm von Captain Ronson. Bosch von Ronsenberg of Delvest. Yeah, yeah. So you besides run that, and yell it to anyone who will listen. The uh, script is great. Man. So yeah. the post game. Yeah. Okay. Post game so, yeah. content. So yeah, Final Fantasy 15's an odd duck. I mean, uh, yes. You know this, but once you beat the game, there's so much shit that opens up that you you can't do until you've been you beat it. And I'm not entirely sure why, like what the point of it is. My my guess is that it's preparing you to fight that Adamantois, which is like this basically oh the mountain the the mountain monster that you have to fight, and it's level 99. And uh, Conan O'Brien threw his assistant up against the wall because he told him that it takes 72 real time hours to beat it. Uh, <laughs> so the thing is, is that even though it feels kind of superfluous, it's some of the it's really it's awesome so there's a dungeon that is straight up just destiny ass platforming nonsense oh no and it's amazing it is the best dungeon that final fantasy has ever had and the way that you get the only way you can get there is if you have the airship you fly there's this tiny little little strip of land that if you miss it at any angle you are just going to crash and you have to reload your save file so you have to land on this spot then you have to find this dungeon um up near the volcano and you go inside and it's just you you can't warp uh you there are no enemies it is just you running around solving jumping puzzles and figuring out how to get from point a to point b and picking up items along the way and it is awesome it's so good it's just like like the dungeon design in final fantasy 15 is some of the best in the series but that is one of the the best dungeons ever that they've done like easily and like i i I wish that there was some more of that in the game but the fact that that exists at all sort of as its own standalone thing i think is really cool and it's just yeah like you could just play the game finish it and not even see it like you wouldn't even know it's there. It's this game is bananas. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I mean, do you? So there was the the announcement uh, this past week that their Square is going to take the uh, unusual step with their games and an almost CD Projekt Red sort of step of patching in additional story content and yeah. uh and and sort of re rejiggering the way things that play out yeah. throughout the game do you think that that's going to make some of this stuff more visible 
Or I don't know about that necessarily. I think that it, I don't know. It's it's possible that that they are going to make more end game content. Like they they were talking about having sort of timed exclusive hunts in a similar fashion that Hitman. I am has. all about that. Yeah, like mm. timed exclusive assassination missions, which is really cool. I think it, it's great that. I think it's really cool that they're approaching this single, this typically sort of hands-off single-player game as this this living uh, product. I do. I understand some of the frustration that people have that they feel like they spent sixty dollars in this game and they feel like Square Enix is saying that it's unfinished because that they're going to go in and they're going to make cutscenes to fix some of the the sort of the bigger plot issues. And to that, I say I don't think that this story is unfinished per se i just think it is poorly told and mm-hmm. i think because the like the one of the characters that they mention is ravis and without going into too too many spoiler details he shows up a couple times and disappears and you catch wind of sort of his fate in the game through newspaper headlines and stuff but you could easily miss those and then he shows up again once at the uh, near the end of the game, and then that's it for him. And so, for them to go like, okay, well, this was a problem. This was a criticism that people had about our story. Let's fix that. I think is admirable in a way that like, I don't know. It it's different than the Mass Effect ending because the Mass Effect ending was just like people were were petitioning them like this ending sucks blah 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 and they're like fine we're gonna fix it and they kind of fixed it whereas this is just like okay well we read the reviews we had you know we didn't plan to do this before but we read the reviews people have this complaint this complaint because as far as i know no one was making a change.org petition to final fantasy 15 to fix the (laughs) goddamn storyline so so they're just like okay well these are the criticisms of the story how can we fix this okay well this character needs to be fleshed out more well let's add that stuff because why not like Square Enix, Square Enix is, Square Enix is not the kind of company, at least like based on the things that they've they've done in the past, to do something like this without some sort of ulterior motive. Like, the Square Enix of the past would have charged for this content, right? And there's going to be a season pass with additional missions and story stuff. Like that's still happening, but for for Square Enix to say like, okay, yeah, uh, Tabata and crew. These are the things that you want to fix. Go ahead and fix them. Add them and continue to develop this game and to make it the thing that it can be and to release that stuff for free. I don't know. I think it's cool. I think, like, like th- there are some things that I hope they don't fix. I hope they don't fix, completely fix anyway, Chapter 13, which is when the game just goes completely off the rails. In Ex- a weird explain do- to me, because, I mean, I'm nowhere near that yet. I think I'm in Chapter 4, maybe. Okay. Maybe I'm in chapter four. I am really <laughs> taking my time with this game because it's just enjoyable. Yeah. The, the short version, to not spoil it for anybody, yeah. is that you you are playing through a very cramped, uh, like physically cramped dungeon by yourself. Oh. You have no other you have no no weapons. party members. It's just what? Noxus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, it's basically a stealth section. Oh, ew. Yeah. Ew. It's weird. It is, like, and that's the thing. Like, there are people who hate this, and I understand 100% why. Uh, But it's also, it was one of those things where I I was kind of enraptured by it as much. I was like, what, what is, what, what are you doing, game? This is, like, it's so aggressively anti-player in a way that almost makes me, like, 
like it even more, <laughs> if that makes any sense, just because it's so against everything, everything that came before. And um, it fits with the sort of the theme of the moment. Um, and it's just... If there are ways that they can maybe tighten it up a bit without sort of ruining the core of what makes that chapter so strange in a game that is already so unbelievably weird, I mean, you know, like, I, I think they should do it. But I don't know. I I also understand that people are like, well, I just finished this game. I don't have time. I'm not going to play through it again. It sucks that I didn't get the superior version at launch. But it's like, well, The Witcher 3 was broken and buggy as shit. And they kept improving. Like, the UI got an overhaul a year later and fixed so many problems, you know? Yeah. And the, the inventory system. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Inventory. And, like, The Witcher 1, the enhanced edition of The Witcher, uh, came a year after that first game came out and totally redid all the animations. They re recorded the English voice acting. They added more quests. They did, like, just, they fixed things. And. That's sort of where we're... It's, it's a weird spot to I mean, be in games, you know? Like That's actually a really good comparison because, okay, technically, yes, the enhanced version is the superior version of that game. But that by no means, in no way, means that the first version wasn't still an amazing experience. Right. Right. right like, right. so, I mean, and that's... People who are flipping their shit, are, you know, let's walk this back a little bit yeah you know things like uh one of the things they're fixing is the size of the type because it's tiny it's small it can be very hard to read and i i mean i get wanting to have the ideal super super best best version of the game but it's not like what you have right now and what you just played sucks yeah like i gave that this version of the game a 4.5 out of 5 for a reason i loved it and i think that they're going to make a great game even better and i it's a game that i'm going to want to revisit you know once they get all the patches in and once all the season pass stuff uh comes out and that's really cool and like especially this kind of additions that they're they're talking about where they talk about like yeah we want you to be able to play as some of the other characters like that's I awesome really, i don't really want to play as some of the other characters though i have to admit I also don't know, like, it, like, does it make narrative sense to let you play as the other characters? I Unless mean, I can play I as Luna Freya. It, but... Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the, from the impression that I got from the season pass was that they're like, okay, well, Final Fantasy XV is about Noctis, so you play as Noctis the whole time. And then what we're doing is each of the episodes take place, um, because you'll notice as you play the game, there are points where each of your party members ends up away from you at a certain point. So I'm hmm. guessing that the season pass content is going to follow the stories that happen to those characters individually in those moments. So you'll play as those characters with totally different mechanics from Noctis. And then once they're all done with those stories, they're going to make they're making that online co-op pack, which will let you play as any of the four characters uh, together online. Um, how all that stuff comes together, I don't know. But it's just... it. Like Final Fantasy XV's development and like the game itself, everything about it continues to be strange and weird, and I am 100% on board. Yeah. Oh, man. I need to play more of that game. I need to... I decided that before I continue in Final Fantasy XV, I need to just finish Last Guardian first. Yeah. Uh, which I, I'm, I'm right there. I, I've got one last little push, and then I'll be done. 
and uh that's a remarkable game that, yeah that we'll need to talk about next time yeah yeah uh it's very 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 good uh but yeah that's that's a topic for next week uh ladies and gentlemen if you are listening to this on monday uh drop us a line throughout the week we're 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 in our final push towards the holidays and and we're we're gearing up for game of the year discussion and we would love to hear from you uh you can tweet at dave or susan or myself those uh handles will be in the show notes and uh we encourage you to get in touch with your questions and your comments and we will talk about them on the show uh, and let us know what you think of star wars as well uh we're we're very curious and if you are listening to this on monday afternoon tune into our twitch show tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, or if you're listening to this after the fact, check out the archive. We are talking to John Knowles, design director at Turn 10 Studios. Uh, He's in charge of the Forza series, but John Knowles also did something 20 years ago. He was the creator of Star Wars Shadows of the Empire for N64, and we're playing it with him for the game's 20th anniversary. It's going to be badass. I cannot wait for that. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be so great. Oh, man. But that that does it for us this week, everybody. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Fuck Nag. <laughs> Sorry, I have to... I... <laughs> it's, my, it's my bread. Uh...